Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615-356-0303. That's 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Perfect floors, whatever your style. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in West Mead, the Recycling Dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every budget and every need, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at recyclingdudes.com. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 46. It is a Tuesday, November 10th. Welcome back in the Door Report presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Willie, we're back and better than ever with another episode. I'm down here in Naples. You're up in Nashville. I can't wait to get back, get back up to Nashville for Thanksgiving. I'll be up there on the 20th. Um, well, it, it was a decent weekend. I mean, Vanderbilt uh, basketball has some good news, but Vanderbilt football, my goodness, they almost pulled it out in Starkville. Yeah, we'll get into it. We're gonna, uh, talk about some of the good news for, uh, surrounding basketball as we inch closer and closer to Stackhouse's um, second season. But mm-hmm. yeah, that Mississippi State game was awfully reminiscent of that Texas A&M game where it, where it felt like you were just one, two, three plays away from, mm-hmm. from really pulling it off. Yeah. And, and the way that the way the course of the game went, it started out 14-0 and then Vanderbilt kind of claws back. So uh, it was a 24-17 loss at Mississippi State. We'll get into that game and a lot more in, in terms of where this football team is at, at the point at this point in this season. But before we get to some more breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is also available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Also, while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, Will, Isaac McBride, the Kansas transfer, is eligible. How about that? He is he's back and and this is a he's a guy that will provide depth in the backcourt. And for, for a team like Vanderbilt and and coming into this season, that's big because they need all the depth they can get. So He's a Kansas. He's a Kansas guy. He started at Kansas. He was a pretty highly rated recruit. Obviously, he transferred from Kansas. But will I think this is this is big news, you know, for this team. I'm not sure how much he's going to play, but definitely a positive set of news uh, heading into this season. Yeah, any amount of depth that Vanderbilt can add, and actually, right now having 13 out of 13 scholarship players available to play is pretty phenomenal, considering how shorthanded they've been. In mm-hmm. recent years, with walk-ons starting, um, not just you know in the rotation, but actually uh, starting out on the court. So, 
it's always good to add some depth. And, and if you're interested at all, we just posted an article um, on the door report by Braden McPherson. Yep. Um, go check it out. It's got a, it's got a little highlight tape from, from a tournament or, or something along those lines that he was in, which uh, is really good and get you an idea of kind of what his game is. Um, and, and he breaks down his game pr pretty well in that article that we posted. Yeah, and, and Stackhouse had a lot of good things to say about it. He said, in quote, we're pleased that Isaac was granted his waiver for immediate eligibility. He has waited patiently for the opportunity to compete in game competition. We're thankful for the support of our Vanderbilt administration and compliance team throughout the process. And Will, this is a very, um, it's a very interesting process because the NCAA is is obviously that they're very inconsistent with, with a lot of these kind of things. And, and, and obviously if, the, the rules was that he, he would have had to sit out this season based on the NCAA rules if but you know if he had not received the waiver but he did receive the waiver so you know a lot of times it's it's up in the air whether or not these guys are going to actually get the waiver or not but luckily luckily for Vanderbilt McBride McBride has the waiver and Will you talked about his highlight tape um, in high school he averaged nearly 30 points in five assists at Arkansas Baptist Prep so He's obviously, you know, pretty used to putting the ball in the basket. So he should be a fun guy to watch. And, and one more uh, tidbit here, uh, Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 sports college basketball expert. He's been, uh, he actually covered McBride at Kansas for a little while. He said he has a chance to be an impact player fairly early on as a point guard who can create his own shot. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he transitions as a catch and shoot threat, something he likely worked on in the offseason. So well, obviously with Scottie Pippen Jr., not sure how much, you know, time, how, they're, how they'll kind of rotate that. But from, from you know, from your perspective and in terms of, you know, kind of being a, uh, a spectator of Vanderbilt basketball, how much, how much playing time do you think he could see? Yeah, the waiver thing, if they don't have to release any reason, if anybody could explain why Malik Langham was not approved for a waiver the previous year after not playing a snap for Florida and then – um, Isaac McBride was approved to play basketball after not getting on the court for Kansas. Mm -hmm. it, the, the logic there, there's this complete disconnect. There's no consistency, no logic, and it really feels like the Blue Bloods, like uh, Duke, Kentucky, they never have a single issue um, getting these oh, waiver no. trains. They, they Thankfully, the NCAA came through for the, for uh, old, good old Vanderbilt. So finally, um, I can see him being pretty heavily in the rotation. Um, honestly, when you go back through and watch his game, reminds you a little bit of Pippen. Um, mm -hmm. Good shooter, not incredible shooter, but really good shooter. Good in the pick and roll game, um, which is going to be good with with Cleavon Brown there and Dylan DeSue. Mm -hmm. So I, I can see him being uh, pretty pretty heavy heavily involved in that rotation and, and kind of maybe that seventh eighth man off, off the bench, maybe first or second guard off the bench. Yeah, and you, and you touched on the depth, Will, which I think is really important with this team because last season that's they just didn't have any depth at all. Um, and because because of the injuries of Neesmith and Brown, but this year Brown is back. You get um, Quentin Molora Brown also in the rotation. Uh, several in, uh, incoming freshmen also, so depth will not be a problem. Um, experience, you know, could be an issue. Uh, and 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 I, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say talent is an issue because they they got they got some talented guys and guys that you know have been in the system. So I'm interested, Will. I, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen this year. Um, and and we'll we'll talk a lot more about basketball as as we get closer to that uh, to that season. But they will kick off or tip off the season rather uh, at the uh, Legends Classic tournament. That's the Roman Legends Classic. It is officially set to begin on Tuesday, December first, at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. 
the field is set, Will. We got USC and BYU at 2.30 Eastern on December 1st, and then Vandy will face off with UConn at 5 Eastern. Both games will be on ESPN2 that day. If Vanderbilt wins, they'll have a big game Thursday night at 7 Eastern on ESPN. So this is a great opportunity for Stackhouse and his guys to showcase you know, where they are in, in, in the Stackhouse era. And, and the, coachings, the coaching staffs in this, in this tournament are pretty impressive as well. Dan Hurley at UConn, Andy Enfield at USC, Mark Pope, BYU. So, Will, this is going to be a fun tournament to watch, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that we see a matchup between Vanderbilt and BYU so uh, we can give uh, Jackson, Jackson Tolk, one of our one of our writers, a hard time. He, he's an alumni from there. He could be in trouble if he's cheering for BYU. Yeah, so <laughs> we might have to kick him out of the group if they do end up getting matched back in after the game. But um, honestly, I'm just itching for the basketball season. There there feels like a little bit more of a, of a positive energy going into the second season for Stackhouse. You've got more of a set roster. You're still young. Um, you have Cleavon Brown coming back with that medical red shirt. Um, so I think we're all expecting a step forward. How big is that step going to be is going to yeah. be the question that we're going to be asking throughout the year. Um, is it going to be, you know, instead of winning, what did they win? A, a couple games in conference, three games in conference. Um, maybe they they can pull off seven, eight wins um, and maybe be in, a, be in the discussion for an NIT berth. Um, I, I don't expect to see them, you know, escalate to the point of where they're on the bubble even um, for the NCAA tournament. But they do have a lot of young talent and uh, watching Dylan DeSue and Scottie Pippen continue to develop um, is something I'm really looking forward to. You mentioned Pippen Jr. there. A quick note from everyone at the door portal. We wish him uh, a happy birthday. So Scottie Pippen Jr. is now 20 years old. And, and, uh, and man, we're both older than him, Will, but uh, he's got a nice little life right now. So... <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, basketball, uh, they're, they're getting set. No, December 1st is the Legends Classic at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. We're getting ready for that season. And, again, can't wait to see what Stack and the boys have for year two. Will, let's move on now to football, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Um, this was a game that we thought, um, you know, wasn't going to go the way it went. And, and you know, talking before the, the, the podcast, uh, before we recorded it today and it's kind of like, man, this reminds us of the AM game a little bit, just kind of that roller coaster. Vanderbilt got down 14-0. They found a way to, to fight and claw all the way back. I know at halftime there's a lot of doubting, uh, I think, on Twitter from a lot of Vandy fans, but they, they come back. They battle back, and I think that does say a lot about just the effort and, and, and I think commitment to Derek Mason's style, um, you know, and, and, and kind of his, his mindset because of with how tough this season's been, you know, you got to give them credit in this one. And, and, and Will, I, I was impressed. I'm going to say it. I was impressed with the way this team fought. You know, they, they definitely could have pulled it out with a couple, with, without a couple of the mistakes they made. But my goodness, that, what a fight from, from the Commodores on Saturday. Yeah, the, the only thing that I could sit there the entire time watching the game was just flashing back to that A&M game where you, you watch the game, you watch the flow of the game, you look at the stats and you sit there and say, we're outplaying this team. We sh we're beating this team. You look at the scoreboard, you're down two scores. You're down a score. Um, and, and it was just, once again, missed opportunities um, and, mm -hmm. and turnovers, uh, penalties that just shouldn't happen, like jumping off sides um, on a fourth down play and giving Mississippi State first downs. Um, I'm going to say something that, that is going to be shocking. Um, mm -hmm. I actually loved the game plan. Uh, regardless of outcome by Derek Mason and and Todd Fitch. Um, it was a lot, and Ted Roof, sorry, I didn't mean to leave him off, but 
Um, Mason's defensive game plan wasn't great coming in. Mississippi State obviously jumped out to an early lead, but the adjustments that he made um, were obviously <laughs> outstanding. Yeah. Um, he, he completely shut down that air raid offense almost in the second half. Uh, so a, a couple guys in particular on that defense that, that were outstanding really jumped out to me. Um, were Jalen Mahoney, uh, Brendan Harris, and then somebody that didn't show up on the stat sheet very much, but was completely disruptive. And, and the stat sheet doesn't do him justice, just dominating that Mississippi State offensive line was Dio Dangbo. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he, was an abs- he was absolutely reeking. That one sack he had, he, I mean, he was on the ground. I think that's this Zach could have been more on Will Rogers, the quarterback, but he fell to the ground right in front of the quarterback, got up, and was able to make the sack. Yeah, I, I, I like, that's not even watching the ball on a lot of plays and watching Dio Dangbo drive back their offensive lineman. Like yeah, like he was a high school junior. So yeah. that was extremely impressive. And, and watching that film is something NFL scouts are going to look at and be like, whoa, like mm-hmm. this is an outmatched defensive line and he's still dominating through double teams and, and whatever it is. And, you know, Billy, the, the frustrating thing, we talked about it before the season, was you have a true freshman quarterback. They're going to be high highs. They're going to be low lows because um, for lack of saying anything, he doesn't know any better. Um, he's going to make some of those freshman mistakes that you look at and say, what the hell are you doing? And he's also going to make some throws like that th- touchdown pass that he had this game where you say, wow, like uh, that's that a dot to Chris Pierce. Mm-hmm. So he had turnovers that, that honestly, without sugarcoating it, cost him the game or cost us the game. Um, this loss is on the shoulders of Ken Seals. Now, bef- with a caveat on that, um, Todd Fitch asked him to do a lot more. And there, and the I believe the first interception Seals threw in his first pass of the game was an incredible play by the defender. Um, oh, yeah. A one-handed catch, but Seals yeah. never saw him. Um, and the real backbreaker was the interception in the red zone. Um, that, that's something that's just kind of honestly unrecoverable for Vanderbilt to, to have that opportunity. But so I don't want to uh, put it on here and act like I'm hating on Ken Seals performance or anything like that. He was asked to do a lot. He threw 46 passes and he's a true freshman. So he's seeing things he's never seen before. Um, his stats, I believe he's 31 for 46 with a touchdown and three interceptions. So um, he really, and a big focus was getting Cam Johnson involved once again, who had an outstanding performance. He really did. He was definitely, I mean, he was leading receiver, 10 catches, 114 yards. And I think the last two games is something like 26 catches, 230 yards, somewhere around there. So Johnson is really starting to find his groove that, that, that we were all kind of waiting for. And he's there right now. Keon Henry Brooks also had, it's kind of an interesting stat line. I mean, he, he played amazing 20 carries, 115 yards, one touchdown and then receiving 11 catches, 97 yards. So the performance from Henry Brooks, he, in the second half, you could say he really, he kind of put this team on his back and said, you know, we're not going to go down without a fight. Um, you talked about seals though, Will, and, and I go back to kind of the, the quarterback um, personification, you know, what is a quarterback? Um, what is the quarterback's role in college football, NFL? It's, it's the game is, is in their hands a lot. Most of the time, the game's in their hands. And you said it. I think this can't. This will be placed on Ken Seals. Um, uh, coaching staff's not going to say, "Ken, this game's on you." You know that us as fans, we're we're judging the way we see it, and we say, "Okay, Ken Seals, if he makes a couple more throws, and and maybe doesn't throw three interceptions, they probably win this game." You know, in the end. So the inter- two interceptions were early, uh, but again, for a quarterback, 
it's in a win it, it's all on you you know ken seals is our guy we're praising him in a loss it's okay this this is on you so a loss is on you and a win is on you that's kind of the way a quarterback goes so um for me it's it's i i, I hate putting the blame on him you kind of have to like you said will um because he's our guy like yep. ken seals is he's the guy he's he's the future he's going to be the quarterback for the next three four years um, so, but a, a great, great game nonetheless. I mean, he, yeah, I, I look at Ken Seals and, and why I don't want to do is I think we'll be doing this podcast in a couple of years and, and talking about his development and how well he's playing. So I don't want to hate on because if people forget Kyle Shermer didn't exactly come out of the gates and was lighting the world on fire. I yeah. mean, he didn't even have that job locked up really till until halfway through his junior season. So Ken Seals has a lot of time to develop. Um, and speaking of getting in a groove, you mentioned Keon Henry Brooks. I, I, I don't want to graze over that because his performance yeah. was one of the best running back performances that we've seen, including performances from Keyshawn Vaughn and, and Ralph Webb and Zach Stacy. He, he was outstanding. Yeah, he that that thirty yard run late was. I mean, that was a backbreaker, and that was like, okay, Vandy's here. Like the Vandy's here to stay in this game. Um, and and there it, it kind of reminded me. I really hate saying this, but kind of reminded me of of kind of that that never give up attitude from the James Franklin type of teams. Where there, I remember a South Carolina game in particular on the road. They end up losing 35-25, but the way they fought, I mean, they, it's just kind of that mindset of like, okay, we're we're never down, we're never down and out, and we're gonna come back and and find a way, make the plays, make winning plays. And in this game, yes, they made some interceptions um, and, and, and the defense, you know, they, they, they allowed, you know, some big plays from Mississippi State, but they made plays that, that, were, that were winning plays, like, like the run from Keon Henry Brooks, a winning play, the Dio Dengbo sack, and, and, and some of the plays Ken Seals, some of the throws to Cam Johnson and Chris Pierce. So I think you're, what you're starting to see, Will, I'm not, gonna, I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. This team is 0-5. But I think you're starting to see a little bit of the identity of this team kind of start to form because this team this season is not really going to have an identity. I mean, let's face it, like they're, they're, they might not win another game um, because their chances are dwindling. These last two weeks were two very good chances. We'll see what happens in Lexington on Saturday. But, Will, this, this team is starting to form their identity and, and, and it's kind of they're going to have to, to figure out okay, how do we win games? You know, it may be not necessarily this season. It, the, the mindset is how do we stay tight in these games? But, well, the identity, I think, is starting to form, and the air raid could begin to slowly creep into um, Todd Fitch's mindset because that could be, you know, the, the air raid, let's, let's, let's face it, Vanderbilt is likely, you know, not going to win games through the air raid offense this season, maybe probably not even next season. But, it, they, I think they do need to start shifting their mindset more towards, okay, for our running game to be successful, you know, or for our offense actually to be successful, do we, do we act, act as if we're running the ball through a pass? You know, because that's what kind of Washington State through Mike Leach and even Mississippi State does. They, 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 they throw the ball as if they're running it. So the short, quick passes acts as, it, acts as the running game. So if they get to that, that'll be kind of the air raid point. It was like, okay, this team's air raid, but – I still don't think, you know, that's 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 the way they, that's that's the way they they can win. Yeah. The 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 Vanderbilt offense has really lacked an identity through this entire season. Every team has are you a pass to set up the run team or are you a run to set up the pass team? 
Um, and thus far, it hasn't really been either. Um, I don't know if we're run first or pass first. It's been very up and down, very inconsistent. I don't think we still have an answer to that question. Um, but the screen game has been implemented and improved upon week after week, which is something that we talk talked week in, week out. Mm -hmm. And that is we've really seen the offensive production increase because just setting up that screen game doesn't allow the defensive line to crash near as hard to the quarterback. Um, it sets up, you know, a good four, five, six, seven, eight yard gain on first or second down. Um, and talking about the air raid, honestly, I I was expecting my, Mike Leach's air raid because I've been a big fan of it in other mm -hmm. conferences. I was expecting it to come in and be successful. I understand. And, and I'm going to have my hot take here. Okay. Right, so, here we go. Here here we go. go. I don't think the air raid offense with how it is now is ever going to work in the SEC. Now, let me explain this <laughs> because oh. everybody's going to go through and the announcers are even talking about it. And last week when we had um, guest on from Mississippi State, mm -hmm. they were talking about having to get their guys in there. So playmakers yeah. on the outside and, and the offensive line that can, is built more for pass it protection. Wider splits. But watching that offense, it's a very simplistic offense. Like, like people think of the spread offense and the air raid offense being – you know, two sides of the same coin, and they're really not. The air raid offense doesn't have tight ends. There is not a tight end on Mike Leach's roster. They really don't even have, they don't really run the ball. I mean, the yeah. run plays are like pitches out to the outside or, or short jet sweeps. Mm -hmm. And the issue that you run into in the SEC, and you saw it with... Um, they're just too fast. Well, that, and you saw it with, you don't have tight ends. So everything is on those five linemen. And you yeah. saw it with creating pressure. The, the defensive lines of the SEC are too good um, to, to just have five guys line up, even when they're quick passes. And regardless of playmakers, I can't see it working where you can't line up under center and run the ball ever. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not a fan of Vanderbilt doing that because I like the spread offense, but it's too simplistic. And the SEC is the closest thing that you have to an NFL mindset of defensive coordinators. Like you've done this, now we've got film, now that's not going to work. And you saw that with Derek Mason's adjustments and Vanderbilt's probably the 13th, 14th best defense in the conference. And in the second half, they came out completely shut down that air raid. And I think the closest thing to an air raid we've seen in the SEC is probably Auburn, you know, with um, who was the quarterback, uh, uh, Franklin, um, John Franklin, potentially. Uh, John Franklin and, and yeah, so like like that was it's not like that was a lethal offense, but they they had a little bit of success but like you said they they couldn't really sustain anything they couldn't they couldn't really sustain that for the entire season and you saw a lot of times where they would just get shut down because the sec speed and beef is just was too much because a lot of the defensive lines nowadays in the sec are just insanely athletic and you see some of these guys they're going sideline to sideline and, and you're looking at it that guy's a defensive end like that and, and even some defensive tackles are doing that so you know, the way I agree with you, Will, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think Todd Fitch is 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 sitting there saying, OK, yeah, now we got to move to the air raid because the way Keon Henry Brooks ran now Vanderbilt started will probably like is likely to see a little bit more success in the play action. Yes, they played Mississippi State, the the next worst team in the SEC, but Kentucky probably a little bit more in that lower echelon of the SEC. And then when you start playing Tennessee, you know, that's pro we talked about that, that team as being a lower echelon. So 
there will be a couple more chances for us to really see what this offense is made of. Um, but I do agree. Well, I think in the end they, they need to stick to what, what Todd Fitch is, is, is really preaching and that's okay. It's hard to see right now. I, I still think it's run first, you know, with, with Keon Henry Brooks and, and, and especially since JV on Marlowe's out, it's been tough, but offensively will, again, we talked about it all night, really impressed with kind of, Todd, I was impressed with Todd Fitch. I think this is one of his best called games uh, because of the way he, uh, one of the, one of my favorite plays was um, I'm pretty sure it was late in the game. Cam Johnson went in motion. And a lot of times, you know, you send a guy in motion and, and, and the defense, you know, locks him down because he's the guy in motion and you're likely looking for him. But Cam Johnson went in motion. It was, and he just kind of stayed running towards the sideline as a quick little out route seals hit him. He got out of bounds, got a first down. Those, that's how you want to see Cam Johnson used. And Cam Johnson, he he's gonna be he's gonna be bruised up after this season because of all his catches and, and getting hit a lot. But this is what we've wanted to see from Cam Johnson. I wanted to see a little bit more of it last year, but if we can involve him and get the offense's eyes on him, and then you got Pierce and Abdur Rahman, this offense, you know, I, I don't want to say this year can be can be. Um, as explosive as as past offenses, but next season with this core, I think they got a chance to be to to be a, a a decent offense. Yeah, with hopefully the offensive line not being kind of a ragtag put together group and, and yeah. getting those guys back. I mean, you add then three starting offensive linemen, um, and then you, and bring you really in, got something. Yeah, the new recruits that you've got. Hopefully, JV on Marlow. We don't know what these team rule violations are. Um, we were miss really missing JV on Marlowe. Um, yeah. Rocco Griffin stepped in and did a good job carrying the ball, um, but he is a true freshman, and his pass protection, to be kind, is atrocious. Um, I mean, he almost got Kinsel's ki killed. So yeah. that's something that we really have to see improvement on if he ever wants to see consistent playing time. Because uh, Keon Henry Brooks, man, I, I can't harp on it enough. That was the first time that we had a playmaker on the field yeah. um, the, the entire season. And, and thinking back to that AM game, if you had Keon Henry Brooks on the field, I think that's the seven point swing for, for the mm -hmm. offense, just because you have a guy that if he gets out in the open field, he's gone. Mm -hmm. And outside of him, we don't have that. Yeah. Um, the, he, he's just a gamer, too, man. Like, like he, he's he's not super big and he's not he's not he's not a blazer. You know, he's he's got good speed. He's got. He's able to. We disagree on that. I, I think he's he's might be the fastest running back we've had. Pure straight line. I, I, so straight line. I, I I think I think you you have an argument, but I think just pure breakaway, like breaking away from a guy. I think Keyshawn was really good at that. Like he sees a guy. Okay, I'm going to beat you. Um, and again, Keon Henry Brooks has a, a like he said the ragtag O line, but. Um, yeah, I, I think the similarities between where you can draw with Vaughn is, for lack of a better term, these guys are slippery. It feels like that first guy just kind of slides off of him. And this is Henry Brooks still needing to probably put on around 10, 15 pounds yeah. to really be to where he wants to be. Mm -hmm. And and another thing that we you don't really talk about a lot or you don't hear people like us talk about is ball carrier vision, kind of an underrated aspect. When you go back and I was watching the, I believe it was from the 2018 season with Vaughn and then watching some web highlights is they saw those cutback lanes and hit mm -hmm. them. And that's how they would get a lot of those explosive runs. And Keon Henry Brooks is just right there. He just sees him a little bit late. Yeah. Um, and if he can improve that going into next season, you're going to make me on Billy. 
Um, but if we can prove that going into next season, um, that could be a guy that we could be talking about in a couple of years and talking about him with the likes of, and this is high praise, Zach Stacy, Ralph Webb, Keyshawn. Oh, Bond. man. So I, I really, I've been talking about him since we did the season preview that I've been really excited just with the flashes that we've seen in previous years. Yeah, so. I think uh, the new last name get, did a little bit to, to Keon Henry Brooks. Um, and that's something I didn't even really catch on to until the first game. I, I, I saw him out there. And I think before the season, we were calling him Keon Brooks. And then we get to that first game. It's like we see, oh, Keon Henry Brooks on the, on the carry. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> who is this guy? But it, he looks better. He looks a lot better than last year. Um, like you said, he's gonna have, yeah, he's he's gonna have to bulk up. Um, but once he bulks up, and he's he's really good this year. But the the ceiling is is can get can go is a little bit higher now uh, for for Keon Henry Brooks. Um, Will Vanderbilt plays Kentucky next Saturday. We're gonna touch on it quickly here. Um, but for for Vanderbilt against Kentucky, what? Um, I think the line is around 17 right now. Um, and, and last week, what was it against Mississippi State? Was it 16 right around there? Uh, for Vanderbilt, they were 19 point underdog. 19, okay. So 17. So in a little bit of a, a, a generous um, you know, line there from, from, from Vegas, but it's an early kick in Lexington. I think Vandy likes these road games for some reason. Um, you know, they, they played well in, in College Station. They played well um, at Mississippi State. We'll see if they can do it in Lexington. But well, Kentucky's a team that's struggling too. So how much better do you think Kentucky is in Mississippi State? And 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 what kind of a game does Vanderbilt have to play, um, you know, to, to have a chance in this one? It's really unbelievable if, if you haven't watched any Kentucky, how opposite of a team they are from Mississippi State. And in the same way, pretty similar. Uh, Mississippi State doesn't run the ball almost at all. I mean, even their runs or passes, like little forward yeah. pitches. Uh, Kentucky can't throw the ball to save their life. I mean, they'll maybe throw it eight, ten times a game, and it is almost a majority run. They're just going to hammer it down your throat. So we'll know very, very early if uh, Vanderbilt is going to be able to slow down that running game. Because in the past, one of the Achilles heels of the Derrick Mason defense in general, even the years when it was really good, were running quarterbacks and athletic quarterbacks and not being able to contain that read option. Um, we do have a really talented, I think the defensive line inarguably is probably the strength of that defense and Dio Dengbo, Andre Mintz, Davion Davis, yeah. um, and, and then guys rotating in on that defensive line. And, and then backers like Dimitri Moore, Orgy, and, and our guys came up like Jalen Mahoney and Brendan Harris who are making some really good plays in the back. Harris had a really good game. So, the, yeah, so I think this matchup theoretically, um, I don't want to say upset, because um, I haven't predicted, and, and I won't predict right yet, but I haven't predicted Vanderbilt to win a game this year yet. Um, but if I was going to predict one, um, I've got I've got a, got a little bit uh -oh. of a good feeling about this upcoming oh, week. Th this Kentucky isn't going to be the one that drives down the field and scores in uh, three plays. So yeah. it plays into the hands of, of kind of a slower-paced, gritty, dirty game, which which I think always is going to favor a team like Vanderbilt that, that may have the, the lower talent level. Yeah, early kick in Lexington, a road game, and for some reason Vandy's been playing very well in road games. Um, and and I, I I agree with you somewhat, Will. I think Kentucky's going to have to kind of gift wrap Vandy some presents um, if Vandy wants to um, win this game. Uh, but again, Ken Seals also has to limit the turnovers. And if Vandy, if Vandy can win the turnover battle, we could see some magic in Lexington. And and 
and we tweeted from our account we we saw a little bit of magic in starkville so uh, we'll see how 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 um you know just how eager bandy is to get back onto the field and 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 we shall see that'll be a noon eastern time kick in yeah, Lexington. Yeah. and one thing i want to say about the kentucky game which why it just feels like you, you ever get the feeling of just the perfect storm kind of coming together is yeah you know they're coming off coming off a of bye week um, and then next week, and it's 11 a.m. kickoff during this weird season. Um, 11 a.m. kickoffs are always weird. And the next week, they have number one Alabama to look forward to. So maybe mm, some guys. Dang, this could be a this classic Vandy trap game we could I mean, see. And and you I, say that, and, and I'm sure that the coaches are sitting there preaching, we can't, you know, come out unfocused. It's it's easy to say that. It's really hard when you know yeah. those Kentucky players are looking and thinking, all right, this week yeah. we've got Vanderbilt. Then we've got Alabama. And that's mm -hmm. where their eyes are going to be maybe peaking just a little bit. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll see. see we we shall see. Before. Yeah, I, I like I like where you're I like where you're thinking. Well, we will talk a whole lot more about Kentucky Vandy uh, coming up in our Friday episode. The preview will have a Kentucky guest and we'll talk all things Vandy, Kentucky. So we got a little bit of basketball in Will. Again, Legends Classic coming up December 1st. Can't wait for that. Isaac McBride is eligible. So, um, you know, again, congrats to him. Happy birthday, Scotty Pippen Jr. And Vanderbilt, Kentucky coming up uh, after a tough, tough uh, loss at Mississippi State. We'll see if Vandy can, can play well on the road once again. For myself, Billy, Derek, and Will Byram, you've been listening to episode 46 of The Door Report presented by Alaco Hardwood Florence.